Before we dive into this episode of HRD Masterclass, I'd like to take 30 seconds to share the exciting news that we're now seeking sponsors for Season 5 to release in 2024. This is a wonderful opportunity to support the podcast series and also share your message with 3,500 HRD listeners around the world. Sponsorship options cost just $750 and $600 per episode, and for full details, contact D-A-R-R-E-N at allbypodcast.com. Right, let's start the episode. What I've seen is a, a real shift from a use of data within the HR function that is a little more transactional to this more active and um, externally focused use of data to, to think about how can we improve work in organizations. Welcome to Human Resource Development Masterclass, the podcast series from the Academy of Human Resource Development, the organization that leads HRD through research. I'm your host, Darren Short, and here in our third season, we're exploring the relationship between HRD and other topics and disciplines with the help of leading authors, researchers, and scholars. Today, our focus is the relationship between HRD and data analytics. And my guest scholars are Chad Chungil Chai of Wenzhou Keen University in China, Claire Gubbins of Dublin City University Business School in Ireland, and Peter Gray from the University of Virginia in the United States, all of whom join me for conversations recorded during May and June of 2022. Our episode today is structured into two halves. In the first 30 minutes, we look at what we mean by the term data analytics and its relationship to work, the workplace, and HRD. And then in the second 30 minutes, we dig deeper into that relationship between data analytics and HRD. You can find out all about the questions explored in the episode, the three guest scholars, and also the episode sponsor by visiting allbypodcast.com forward slash data analytics. Talking of sponsorship, Human Resource Development Masterclass is only made possible thanks to the wonderful support of our sponsors, who cover all of the costs associated with the series, and so enable us to release them free of charge to listeners like you. I encourage you to show your thanks by checking them out and letting them know just how much their sponsorship means to you. Today's episode is sponsored by the University of Southern Mississippi's Human Capital Development Programs, and by the Business Analytics Lab in the Department of Management, CBPM, Wenzhou Keen University. The first half of the episode is sponsored by the University of Southern Mississippi's Human Capital Development Graduate Programs, which academically prepare students to improve performance in organizations through the talent of people. Students experience a think tank environment to solve today's workplace issues through connections with peers, the curriculum, and award-winning faculty. The programs are offered through online and executive formats and are respected internationally as leading innovation in human capital development as evidenced by the quality of graduates and faculty research. Find out more by Googling USM space HCD you'll find their page at the top of the results, or by emailing them at schoolofleadership at usm.edu. Right, let's dive into the episode. Welcome to our episode on HRD and data analytics. Let's start off by meeting today's three guest scholars. And first of all, I'd like to welcome Chad Chungil Chai. Assistant Professor at Keene University's College of Business and Public Management's Department of Management, Marketing and International Business in Wenzhou, China. Chad earned his PhD in Workforce Education Development and Comparative and International Education from Penn State University. Chad works and teaches in the areas of knowledge structures and practices of sharing, as well as virtual and technology-centered workforce development. So welcome, Chad. Hello. And my second guest for the episode is Peter Gray, professor at the University of Virginia's McIntyre School of Commerce. Peter's research focuses on the collaborative impacts of social technologies, organizational networks, virtual teams, and online communities. 
and he's worked with a range of companies to identify and capitalize on opportunities for improving organizational competitiveness through network analysis. His research has been published in a range of leading journals, including Slow Management Review and California Management Review. So welcome, Peter. It's wonderful to be here, Darren. Thank you. And my third guest for the episode is Claire Gubbins, Professor of Organizational Behavior and HRM at Dublin City University Business School in Ireland. Claire's research interests center around the domain of learning and development, and she investigates determinants of tacit knowledge circulation, the role of social networks in facilitating learning processes, and evidence-based research and practice as a mechanism for continuous learning. Claire has published extensively in top-tier journals, and is the co-author of two books on learning and development. So welcome, Claire. Thanks, Darren. Hello, everyone. Thanks for the invitation, Darren, to be part of this. Okay, so I'd like to start off our conversation by exploring definitions a little, and particularly by focusing in on that term data analytics, so that folks listening are then clear on what we mean as we dig deeper into exploring the relationship between data analytics and HRD. So what do we actually mean by the term data analytics? To me, data analysis in general, as all we know that loop into uh, the data more deeply and details and see the some patterns, it has been used in widely, particularly in these days in HR, people analytics, workforce analytics, business analytics, and learning analytics, so on and so on. For me, this is the analysis that you can, the process of the analysis that you can get insight from the analyzing data that has not been used before and insight generated by the applying new analysis method and insight generated by the analyzing data that did not exist before and insight generated by the analyzing existing data as they are connected to the, each other's and let last insight generated by analyzing new data and existing data as they are connected. Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting how um, the, the shift in organization seems to be towards making better fact-based decisions that generate business value, you know? So I think lot, lots of managers have developed fantastic expertise in how to look at a situation and c- compare it to what they've seen historically. But there's a certain subjectivity in that. And I think this move towards business analytics and data analytics is, is really about trying to take the subjectivity out and asking, what does the data tell us we, we should do in this particular situation? From my perspective, I like to see data analytics as one piece in a larger jigsaw, uh, something to be understood in a broader, broader context. Data, analyzing the data, collating statistics, while informative is insufficient in its own right. It should be done in a broader context of a business problem or a question, which is clearly clearly defined so that the data is being looked at and and collated and analyzed with an objective, a problem or a question. And then that that data is put alongside other sources of evidence for the purposes of making uh, business decisions, for for the purposes of making evidence-based decisions in business contexts. And that other data or, or evidence would be scientific research, stakeholder perspectives, and practitioner judgment and experience. And when you put all those four sources to de- together, you have a mechanism to make a broader, more informed, uh, multi-perspective uh, decision on a problem of which organizational data is key. But I think all, all four need to come together. Um, data analytics is, is one, co- one component a component connected to the business problem or a problem or a question, and one component uh, married alongside and analyzed and viewed alongside three other sources of evidence. You know, HR is a little bit late to the table here in terms of uh, working with data. Some of the earliest um, pieces of organizations that, that began to try to extract value from data would include things like marketing organizations where there's you know, a sort of shorter line of sight between what, what have we captured and what could we do with it. 
Um, and, and that includes things like sentiment analysis of, of you know, online uh, engagements among customers that, that produces insights that wouldn't otherwise be, uh, be seen. So, so there is a qualitative aspect for, to it as well. A lot of the push these days, though, is to try to take those qualitative characteristics and quantify them, turn them into you know, metrics that, that can then be analyzed as well. And, and so lots of the advances in, in business analytics have come around algorithms that, that can work with these things and, and produce more useful insights. Labels, people analytics, workforce analytics, data analytics, they're all terms that are, are essentially getting at the same thing. And while practice is, as, as Peter said, a bit slower to come to the table um, with regard to uh, HR analytics, people analytics through that lens, HR science has engaged with analytics for years, decades around things like performance management, selection, training. In the absence of organizational data to draw on to make decisions, there are certain aspects of HR and HRD for which we have a lot of data uh, in the science field that, 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 we can, that we can draw on and that we can make use of. And in practice, from the people perspective, it's there descriptively, but there's some work yet to be done to elevate it into more as, as Peter said, uh, algorithm use, predictive analytics, prescriptive analytics, so that we can start looking at future trends based on the data that we have and start trying to determine what is the best course of action based on the data that we have. Ultimately, I want to get to the point of exploring data analytics and human resource development. But I'm thinking a useful half step in that direction would be to first consider the relationship between data analytics and the concepts of work and the workplace and and also how that relationship may have changed over the years. So do you have any thoughts about that relationship between data analytics, work and the workplace? So I, I think I, what I've seen is a, a real shift from sort of a, a use of data within the HR function that is, is a little more transactional, so keeping track of people, to, to this more active and, and um, externally focused use of data to, to think about how can we improve work in organizations. So companies I've seen are moving beyond these traditional uses, such as keeping track of data for performance management, selection, you know, compensation, that sort of thing. Uh, that, that sort of data was very useful for HR professionals, and but was often only tangentially useful to line of business managers. And, and so I've seen a shift away from tracking attributes of people towards tracking attributes of their networks of relationships across the organization. So this field of network science has shown that the structure of your network predicts all sorts of important things in an organizational context that might include performance and creativity, impact, and, and uh, some of this shift towards tracking attributes of people's relationships comes uh, through the volume of digital exhaust that exists. So the, the byproduct of people's electronic relationships can be mined. So things like emails and meetings um, produce uh, information that can be used to try to understand um, efficiency and effectiveness in organizations, for instance. But the big push seems to be around using survey-based data that helps uh, leaders understand the informal structure of their organization. Uh, so it turns out that this kind of data is, is highly relevant to line of business managers because it can help them solve problems that they face in new ways or discover new opportunities to improve business performance. So, so with that kind of data, you can understand completely different things like onboarding and attrition, what sorts of networks uh, uh, characterize the people who join an organization and then stay for a long time versus those that join and, and turn over quickly. Um, there are talent management aspects, you know, who, who are your hidden stars in the organization, who's, who are, who's really influential in the organization, perhaps beyond their rank. Managers are looking at things like collaborative silos to, that are undermining performance and innovation, gaps in the collaboration network that, that needs to, need to be um, spanned in order to improve performance. Uh, there's, there's focus on organizational culture these days. The, the, what does the distribution of values look like across different parts of the firm and, and how might that be um, affecting the pieces, how the pieces of the organization collaborate? Uh, more recently, you know, there's, there's this look at return to office, which as, as organizations are starting to ask this question, how do we convince people who, who have gone and worked from their home now for the last two years to, to come back to the office? And so network can help you understand 
you know, which groups of people uh, should best be brought back together to create value in, a, in an in-person context. And there's also some pretty cutting edge stuff around diversity, equity, and inclusions, looking at inclusion, not just in the traditional way as, as sort of attitudes and beliefs that leaders need to communicate through their organizations, but as actual behaviors that spread through networks to impact people. So, so there's lots of things in, in that sort of quick laundry list that, that is definitely of interest to HR professionals, but also line of business leaders start to get pretty excited when you can help them find ways to improve performance. Uh, in organization, more and more companies ask and require HRD department become more strategic. So that's why it's become more and more the emerging issue, having more analytics method and capability in the department. Previously, in many organizations, already they using this kind of data analytics skills and methodology in many other businesses or the departmental level, such as R&D, finance, strategic, marketing. In addition to that, many organizations now, they are transformed their core value to digital transforming. So data are become more digital and easy to save it and more and more organizations, they equip the structure to store and using the data more strategically. I wonder if that does ease us then into that next piece of the conversation then, which is to explore the connection between data and analytics and human resource development. I'm wondering how those two connect, particularly how the research theory and practice on the one side influences the research theory and practice on the other. What are your thoughts then on that on that relationship between the two? The connection between data analytics and HRD, I think, is an opportunity for HRD. There is still plenty um, arguments and, and research suggesting that HR, HRD are not necessarily making a contribution to the bottom line in organizations. Their HR, HR and HRD professionals have been critiqued that they don't have sufficient business acumen, strategic um, thinking competence to engage at the top team C-suite level. But we saw a bit of a turnaround, anecdotally at least, um, that in COVID, HR professionals, HRD professionals were sitting at top team and were genuine strategic business partners being listened to. And that's because they were making, they were doing what nobody else could do. And they were making a contribution to the new bottom line and the new ways of working and the situation that we were in. And now the opportunity presents itself. They're up there. Some would say they're they're dropping again in status, but ultimately they need to stay there. And I believe that data analytics and, and the context of evidence-based decision-making is the mechanism to keep, to keep them there as true strategic business partners, moving beyond descriptive data analytics and, and, and engaging with what we discussed, predictive and prescriptive analytics and strategic level analytics is, is going to be central to that. So, 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 so number one, um, there's a requirement for practice, HR, HRD practice to engage with their organizational data and use it for those predictive and, and prescriptive analytics. And then the second piece is, is going back to that whole notion of data analytics in the context of making informed decisions using multiple sources of evidence. Drawing on scientific research is, is important for, for that form of decision making. And drawing on scientific research as a practitioner helps make that connection between HRD research and HRD practice. And there is some beautiful HRD learning and development science out there that informs elements of practice that are very important, like, for example, research around the connection between uh, HRD and uh, organization performance. But there's some more specific material, for example, like around the transfer of learning, transfer of training, uh, lovely meta-analytic evidence that talks about the factors like motivation to transfer, cognitive ability that are strong predictors of learning transfer. So that's a piece of science you can draw on as a practitioner to make a business case for how you design your learning and development interventions. Or there's some nice meta-analytic evidence around informal learning. And Peter was talking about social networks. Informal learning is built on, on social networks. And with the way we are moving now to 
or at least partly moving to more remote or hybrid workplaces, informal learning has never been more important. So how much do we know? Well, as I mentioned, there's some nice meta-analytic evidence about informal learning behaviours and how they impact employee job performance and career performance. So if I'm a HRD practitioner, I can draw on that science to inform my decisions about how to design interventions that improve informal learning behaviours. And then thirdly, there is a need for academic researchers or researchers to engage with practice and engage with the problems and questions around HRD learning and development that practice experience. So rather than devising research questions for research questions sake, that we're devising research questions on the back of an actual experienced problem. Personally, what I felt is it is more like HRD depends dependent to uh, on the outside rather than doing the analysis inside. So I believe that HRD, in order to survive, they have to think about you know uh, the more analytical thinking and planning to collecting the data, managing the data, and the uh, how to connect the organization issue to the, the, their own analysis. In practice, the, they have to be careful that the analytics should not end it up as like a report and just the analysis itself. It should be to relate to the, their diagnostics and development, understanding, supplement to their organization issue related to the, to the HRD. So then once it become as like well-equipped, uh, well-structured in a case, once it become a case in HRD, the researcher can access to that and it more, uh, it give us more understanding about the, uh, the area of our research and then the research academias. So we have more, having more and more data analytics, you know, case and practice uh, applications. So then we can be uh, the understand about people's and the, uh, the, the function of HRD, we didn't much, you know, uh, see previously. So then we can suggest more uh, the scientific or more reasonable kind of the analysis and the suggestions. You know, Darren, it's kind of ironic that in the research field, in the academic field, um, where analytics and data and sophisticated algorithms have always been kind of the bread and butter of what academic researchers use, that that the um, the extent of those uh, um, algorithms has become so complicated, the, the precision and the conceptual definitions that researchers use to, to push forward uh, new research is so separated in, at sometimes from the issues that, that managers actually encounter that, that it's a bit of a cautionary tale. I think that you know, HR professionals uh, benefit from a much more direct and focused version of analytics than what academics produce. Uh, and that some of the best and most compelling work out there uh, that, that can impact the life of, of an HR professional comes through case studies and, and examples that are published in managerial outlets. You know, here in, in the US, things like Harvard Business Review or Sloan Management Review, an article can really transform how people think about something in their, in their organization. Um, and, and without having to go into incredible technical detail, without having to use incredibly sophisticated uh, measures. So, so it is. It is kind of ironic that that uh, that level of precision that academics use isn't actually required uh, to produce a lot of value in organizations, um, and and that and, and that we see um, HR professionals who are able to begin to master some of these at a an entry level can have really big impacts. Listening to your thought there, Peter, makes me reflect a little on. Um, why there are so many missed opportunities right now between HRD and data analytics and to what extent that could be due to the fact that HRD practitioners don't feel like they've got the capability to dive into data analytics when what they see around them is a version of data analytics which is complex, messy, 
full of terminology and appears to be something that perhaps is not them, as in, I'm a people development person, not a data person. So, so I'm wondering to, to what extent that lack of capability in HRD professionals is sort of limiting data analytics or whether in fact there are other factors at play which are, are generating these missed opportunities. There is a sense of fear or, as you say, a sense of, no, that's not my job, that's a statistician's job to, to, to engage with all of these this number crunching and, and interpret it. The concern, of course, is that if we have a situation, or at least I believe if we have a situation where there is sets of data that are being interpreted and insights derived from them based on somebody who isn't looking at them with a people lens or a human lens, they're not being interpreted in the right context by the right people. Um, and therefore, the wrong interventions will ultimately ensue. To the point of whether um, HRD professionals are not engaging due to competence or a sense of lacking in self-efficacy with regard to analyzing data or, or interpreting data. My insights on that are, come from, from my teaching and, and, and teaching evidence-based decision-making and data analytics with MBAs and HR professionals and organizational psychologists. Those two issues that you've just raised um, self-efficacy with regard to data analytics and that's not my job that's the statistician's job have both come up um, the the second one requires a discussion and the, 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 the first one often just requires them being given the opportunity to engage with it at a, as, as Peter said at the most basic level and, and not at the big serious sophisticated level that some academic work requires but at the most basic level, and usually by asking them to, to engage with us based on a problem or question that they're interested in from their own organizations, using their own organizational data. And step, step one is simply defining the problem. Step two is often helping them figure out where the data exists within the walls of their own businesses. And even that progresses their competence and their sense of self-efficacy and their comfort with looking at looking at data. They understand their own organizational data. They may not know where to find it and might take some digging to collect, especially people data from across multiple departments. But then ultimately demonstrating some basic um, data analytics uh, skills, statistical skills, or just helping them understand what's being produced in front of them is often sufficient for people to say, wow, this is this is really informative, this is really useful. And then they start coming up with more ideas on what else, what other questions they could ask and attempt to answer within, within their businesses with the data that they're, they're sitting on. Um, so I agree completely, Darren, that they, those are two of two key reasons, I think, why data analytics in the HR, HRD field um, hasn't jumped as fast as we, as we might like. There's also a new role that's coming along in organizations, uh, and that's the analytics translator. So imagine on the one hand, we have data scientists who have all the sharp analytic tools. They can crunch any set of numbers you want using any sort of an approach, but they have no real understanding of the business domain. You know, they're not specialists in HR or marketing or anything. They, they're, they're data people. And on the other hand, you've got somebody in an HR function or line of business who has a problem or that needs to be solved. And, and the question is, how do you get those two people together? And so a lot of uh, data analytics and business analytics programs are turning out people that serve this, what's called an analytics translator role. They understand the, the sharp tools, not in the same depth as a data scientist would, and they understand the business context, not in the same depth as someone who's worked in a company for 20 years uh, would, but they can help the line of business person or the HR uh, person understand what sort of problems could be solved, and they understand, and then they can help translate those problems into data requirements that the data scientists can, can, can crunch and, and try to come up with an answer. And so by, by translating across those two or linking them together, that's a, a new role that, that tries to avoid Avoid the problem of how do we teach a data scientist everything there is to know about HR, which, which frankly, they, they're not interested in often. And how do you teach an HR person everything that a data scientist would know? Well, they're busy doing, you know, adding value in their way. So this is a, a new thing that's coming along. 
Okay, so, so, so far in the conversation, we've talked a fair amount about where we are and kind of how we got here. So I'd, I'd like to spend a little bit uh, to wrap up this part of our conversation by looking forward a little. And, and if we if we think about sort of challenges that organizations are facing now and then looking out at the next few years, uh, I'm wondering how you see data analytics helping HRD in tackling some of those challenges within organizations? Yeah, I, th I think there's just a huge opportunity that, that the last two years have, have presented. On the one hand, we have a complete transformation in, in work in, for many uh, knowledge workers who've moved away from an in-person environment to a hybrid or a remote work environment. And, and then secondly, we have this, this shift in people's attitudes towards their careers um, and, and we see a large amount of turnover uh, happening in many organizations. And so both of these things are pressing problems within organizations. How do, we, um, how do we teach people how to be effective hybrid workers? How do we think about um, employee engagement uh, and employee satisfaction in new ways to enhance employee retention? Um, the, those are general questions. They're not limited to one particular function in the organization. And I think HRD professionals are very well suited to being the people to discover the answers to those questions and take uh, learning and development in a new way, instead of it being about sort of an external body of knowledge, uh, to be the people who really help the organization, uh, people in the organization understand how best to collaborate, how, how best to engage in remote work in a way that, that you know, impacts uh, has positive impact on your ability to work with others, but also gives you some of the benefits of, of perhaps some more um, focus time uh, when you're away from the office. And um, so, so there's there's really I think there are lots of opportunities for HRD professionals to to recast their jobs a little bit and and become the people who develop answers to these questions. How what will our organizational look? like if hybrid work continues uh, and what skills do we need to train people on and teach people to be effective in that world? Uh, because HR, uh, the analytics, data analytics is not just sit on just one area of the methodologies. Uh, we, so far we have been talking about many cases about that is related to the numbers. However, the data that is uh, generated as like qualitative data, such as like texture data, audio data, and video data, and even trace data, we can use that. Then we can see that some issue that we didn't see before. But however, the problem is like, it would be kind of the challenges we are uh, nurturing or facilitating or hiring the talent who have the knowledge on this both domain, HRD and people, and also analytics, uh, the competency. So, so many uh, companies, they are now have the data as like they store and managing in more strategically and more systematically. So come along with this kind of data is going to be HRD or HR related data will be combined. So then we can see a more clear view of the relationship between more monetary or more um, kind of the performance in the other area of the business and how it's related to the people. So most um, uh, important thing on this approach is because of the many uh, HRD practitioners still had uh, some kind of difficulty to access to the data. And even if they have the, the, uh, the access, but they sometimes, many cases, they don't uh, lack, have a lack of, uh, they are lack of some skill to uh, be manipulating or the data or the treat, uh, treating the data. So we need to think about how to uh, nurturing them to uh, access to the data and using the data and that analysis data. We'll be back in a moment with more from Chad, Claire, and Peter as we dig into the relationship between HRD and data analytics. 
First though, here's an important reminder that this episode is brought to you thanks to the wonderful sponsorship support of the Business Analytics Lab in CBPM, Wenzhou Keen University. The lab develops and produces analytical procedures for providing data-driven and evidence-based practical business solutions by applying advanced analytical methodologies to practical business-wide issues. You can find out more by visiting chadchae.github.io. Right, let's return to our discussion for the second half of the episode. Okay, welcome back to our episode on HRD and data analytics, where I'm joined by Chad Chung-il Chai of Keen University, Wenzhou, China, by Peter Gray, University of Virginia in the United States, and by Claire Gubbins of Dublin City University Business School in Ireland. So to kick off this final part of the episode, I'd like to continue exploring how data analytics can help HRD in addressing organizational challenges by taking a specific example. And I think one example that's probably at the front of mind to many HRD professionals right now is how they can help employees to learn from each other in light of more of them working remotely or in hybrid working formats. So I'm wondering how you see data analytics helping HRD to address that challenge. Central to learning and central to to how we learn is through and with other people. Through observing others, asking questions of others, seeking knowledge of others, sharing knowledge with others. And basically what exists in my head becomes shared and combined with what exists in your head. So when we combine that with the fact that now we're in uh, situations in organizations where some employees will be remotely working, then effectively what we've got is a situation where previously perhaps individuals who were physically co-located are now no longer um, right beside each other. And it was those occasions that oftentimes where somebody could seek knowledge of another person or somebody would share something which would equate to sharing knowledge with another person. And for me, I think data analytics can help us here because as it currently stands, we don't yet really know the consequences of these new way, this, this way of working, this, these combinations of hybrid working on learning for individuals, teams and, and organizations. And one way I can see this being of um, of use is if we can look at the way the social network now operates in whatever form of remote working, hybrid working or physical co-located working is in operation. But we may start to better identify if there are groups of people who are possibly learning and individuals who are possibly isolated and left out of the learning loop who previously would not have been left out of the loop. Are there people who are only learning when physically co-located? So interrogating the data, using data analytics to interrogate some of those kinds of questions to find out where is the knowledge flowing or not flowing. And that, uh, given the knowledge is the foundation of learning, and that would then help provide insight into where the learning is or is not, um, not happening. You know, a, a lot of senior leaders um, we've seen in the media are, are sort of mandating that their people need to come back to the office, you know, five days a week. They want to see people in there. And that and, and it just, again, seems a little unrealistic uh, for a lot of people who now have realized that they can conduct uh, at least some of their work from from a home office. Um, and, and so the, the some of the leaders who are really trying to take an enlightened approach to how to design return to office strategies are using uh, social network data to really understand which business units need to collaborate with each other uh, and which business units can work well at a distance and then structuring some kind of a a rhythm uh, where people are back in the office two days a week, but it's in a very specific designed way so that the people who are back in the office on a Monday and Tuesday, for instance, are the ones who we know from the social network analysis are the ones who most need to collaborate. And the same with the, you know, another half of the company comes back Thursday and Friday and then Wednesday is sort of a, a shared time. And, you know, they can validate this with measures of learning, you know, a network analysis can help you understand not just who's interacting, but why are they interacting? Are they interacting 
first, you know, do, do people support each other uh, in exploring new ideas? Do they help each other learn? Do they um, help people take action? You know, so you can get into the content of these collaborations and, and really begin to map out where 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 are the people who need to connect more regularly in an in-person format? Because I think it is, you know, to Claire's point, uh, we can try to do a lot with technology, but my sense is that we are geared for face-to-face -face interaction, and and the the spontaneity that comes from having some time with somebody else is quite different from the planned interactions that we schedule on Zoom. Uh, where and and so I think I think optimizing time spent in physical proximity is is really where a lot of it's going through analytics. Personally, yes, I agree with both of you, and then I believe that you know. Data analytics itself doesn't remove these kind of challenges. It just gives us some chance to look more deeper and something that would miss or than we used to see in one you know, uh, dimension, but we, it could give us more diverse kind of the, you know, the shape of the, the problem. So traditionally, like kind of the working remotely hybrid form and traditionally in HR and HRD, it's more like uh, psychological you know, factors we have been focused. However, as you too mentioned, then by social network analysis, we can see that why and who talk whom or how they you know, interact with each other and what make their social circuit construct. So it gives us better understanding that their behavior and in it in different setting. So then matter is like a, with this kind of the understanding how we are going to implement it to, to, to that. If that uh, the result or the analysis, uh, result or analysis what we have, just so we are sitting in our desk, it won't change anything. There's clearly a role for data analytics in, in helping organizations not only deal better with the current situation, but also to respond to the unknowns as they do occur. And so I'm wondering when you take a look at, um, at organizations and the use of data analytics, I'm wondering what questions you see data analytics answering in the coming years that maybe at this point, go unanswered. So I may not be very good at predicting the future, but I, I can point to some uh, cutting edge examples that are, are probably not widely um, used in, in business today, but, but some early companies are doing these things. So if we think about you know, learning as having you know, one of a variety of flavors, Either it's about best practice transfer, it may be about improving employees' ability to adapt to changing worlds, or maybe about helping them learn to innovate, create entirely new things. Um, what, what I see is some companies really using particularly network analytics to help company help their employees learn in new domains. So, so one thing employees are some employees are learning about is learning how to improve their networks. So companies are collecting network data to help people learn what their own collaboration behaviors look like compared to people at similar levels and in similar functions. And so people can see a snapshot of their own collaboration patterns. You know, how energizing are they with others? Do they provide others with a sense of purpose? Um, how overloaded are they? How 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 well do they reach across the white space? that, that uh, others don't reach across in order to import new ideas. Um, and, and so there can be a, a learning about your network piece that, that, uh, that cutting edge companies are doing. And, and as a result, people are, um, are, who didn't really know what a network should or could look like are realizing that there's now possibilities for, for them to build a skill at networking, which is different than sort of the, the prototypical um, salesperson wants to generate a, a thousand connections. You know, it's, that's not what we're talking about. So a second area, so how can we uh, reduce attrition through learning and, and development? I mean, the, there's great data that shows that the shape of a newcomer's network predicts the likelihood of them leaving the organization within the next two years. Um, and so learning and development groups, HRD groups are assessing how fast movers in the organization establish themselves, low tenure individuals who grow their network very effectively in the first uh, six to 18 months 
and then offering network training, uh, onboarding classes in the, for newcomers so that they're, they're not left floundering, wondering how to build their network. They actually, you know, are, are taught, you know, what are some principles of, of, of building networks, you know, so instead of, uh, instead of pushing and showing up and communicating, here's what I'm all about, uh, newcomers are, are learn how to, how to pull themselves into network, to listen to others, to understand their needs and sort of morph their own expertise to help others with their problems, a really effective way of slingshotting yourself into a network. Um, so, so learning development groups are, are there for, you know, jumping into this um, onboarding world to help, help newcomers come in. Um, so how can we help expand informal training? Um, so, you know, some of learning development that goes on in organizations is, is formal, is structured classes, but much of it is informal. Um, and so companies are starting to map out expertise communities. Uh, what, you know, what does the expertise community around this subject look like across the organization? And, and, and once they, they see the, the shape of that, many things become real. So some expertise communities look like a series of small islands cast across the ocean where there's no best practice transfer and where, where um, you know, any learning is very local learning. And so then there's a, a process that can be used to build up a community around that, to encourage brown bags and events and connections across geography so people can learn it from each other. And there's a real motivation to learn. You know, often these folks don't really understand that, uh, that others in other parts of the organization are, are grappling with similar problems. And so, so they can learn that way. And then finally, how can we help improve leader effectiveness? So, so leaders have to think about networks in entirely new ways. And, and, and that's often been a vague and fuzzy topic, but once a leader can see what the network of their unit looks like, how their unit connects internally, how it connects externally, uh, and, and they can learn to apply some good network management principles uh, if they identify problems in the network. And, and so learning and development groups can, and HRD groups can, can be part of the training for leaders to help them better manage through networks. So some ideas there on, on, on uh, some future areas that we see some companies doing now, but I suspect it's going to be much more widespread in the future. Uh, in addition to, we can using text data for helping these kind of the issues. So many companies, they have interest in their reputation. So reputation can be measured many different ways. However, in these days, they, many employees and people in the organization, they're using social media. Not only the social media, more professionally, they're talking about their job and what happened in company, in Google uh, Glassdoor and LinkedIn, and more like a professional career, you know, the communities. So text data from those kind of, you know, social platform, we used to just, you know, using as like research only, but more and more company, they have interest in what they are talking about and what is a hidden topic. And by time variance, how one issue can be abrupt or, you know, decreases in what matter in what kind of the uh, people who have in what social economic status or their job position or by, uh, by their you know, uh, gender, like kind of the, their attribute, how this topic can be diverse. I do think that the whole field of data analytics could be extremely exciting in helping us to be a bit more with the pulse of, of what is happening using predictive analytics so for example in, in organizations there's it's often a case that a learning and development intervention is implemented but to what extent do we actually track what happens so if a learning and development intervention is implemented what impact does it have on learning behaviors what impact does it have on team behaviors what impact does it have on key performance metrics and if there is a mechanism in place to kind of keep track of learning behaviors that matter to an organization, um, there are mechanisms in every organization to track people's performance, team performance, organizational performance. And you put those pieces of data that are being collected anyway together. So on day one, um, a learning intervention was implemented, takes X amount of time before, I guess, the that is felt by employees, teams across the organization. When, when does it change behaviors? Did it change behaviors? Did it change performance? Um, that then could be used 
to formulate nice little algorithms that would give um, an organization an opportunity to determine, well, if we did this again, this is what might happen, or to simply just keep track, to keep the pulse on it. You know, did the intervention have an impact for a week or did it sustain itself over a long period of time? In, in answering the last couple of questions, um, you've each referenced examples of collecting new data and also examples of leveraging existing data, which makes me wonder how much HRD professionals know about the existing data that's already available to them within organizations. So I'm wondering what advice you have for HRD professionals about what existing data could be available to them and where that resides and how to access it? Probably most basically their personnel, so like when uh, they are joined you know, organizations or when they are leaving or occasional cultural survey, leadership survey, training history, the history of you know, what kind of courses or training they already had, what kind of certification they had, all these are kind of the data we can use. These kind of the data can be aggregated as like a, a team level and the business levels. And also if that is well structured, then it can be easily connected with the other type of the data, such as like what we have been talking in social network here. So then it could be give more understanding about the, their the relationship and their social behavior. For example, if you data have like an ID, PID, such as like a trackable kind of ID, you don't need to know about their personal information. So then we can find out some kind of timely change it, uh, the trend uh, based on those kind of IDs. And if we have this kind of well-structured kind of data that is stored well and can be uh, used by you know, your need, so then we can apply the more uh, predicting picture features or like seeing the more time series like kind of the uh, estimation would be possible. Sometimes uh, HRD professionals aren't, aren't um, as plugged into what's going on in other parts of maybe even the HR organization, uh, and so they're not aware of some of the data that's available to them. Um, uh, we've seen some companies make some really interesting connections between existing data pools. So if your company is one where you receive uh, an email regularly, let's say once a month from Microsoft Insights, where that gives you some sense of how you've been collaborating lately, that means that your company subscribes to um, a service from Microsoft that collects data based on email traffic, um, meetings, uh, any, any sort of electronic connections. Um, and, and that turns out to be something that could actually be quite interesting in terms of finding opportunities for you know, new kinds of interventions, new kinds of motivations and, and, uh, and learning within the organization when you map it onto other things. So for instance, um, many organizations have a, a, an employee listening group that, that conducts surveys that, that uh, assesses, you know, pulse surveys. It looks at uh, things like people's um, satisfaction or engagement. And, and you once you marry up those two data sets, you know, you know how engaged people are and you know sort of the characteristics of their interactions collectively, not individually, collectively, you know, you can find some interesting insights, you know, that, that uh, you know, uh, one company uh, sh uh, shared with me that uh, the, the, the proportion of time that people are cross-booked in meetings, meeting like double-booked in meetings, was uh, correlated with their engagement scores. So people who had a higher proportion of meetings where they, uh, they were supposed to be in two places at once, uh, had lower engagement scores and, and uh, people who spent more time texting and emailing during meetings had lower engagement scores. So once you start to know these things, you realize, wow, there, there's, there's something here about meeting hygiene that we need to help our organization learn about. And that's, you know, both training managers on how to have meetings more effectively um, and, and also training employees about how to engage in, in meetings more effectively when the reality of, of electronic communications is sitting there always waiting for you. So, so there, anyway, so that's an example of, of finding two existing data sources and linking them together in a way that may have some learning and development goals. 
In my experience, HRD professionals um, can be a little wary of data, um, maybe, maybe even a little frightened by the thought of data analytics. At the same time, I think it's getting harder for them to avoid it. I'm therefore wondering what advice you have for HRD professionals who want or need to learn how to do data analytics, for example, have to learn the basics or what tools they should be using. So it feels like there's two sides to any um, opportunity to, to use data more effectively. One is the business need and one is the more technical, how do we accomplish that? Um, and, and I think it's probably pretty optimistic to say that somebody who is interested in doing some more sophisticated data analysis uh, is going to jump right in and start doing that. So, so they would have to you know, either engage in some professional development, you know, there's, there's lots of um, analytics, master's degrees, you know, professional programs out there to, to train up on that. But, you know, I think a much faster way to, to get into this space is instead of focusing on the tools and the techniques, focus on the reasons why people do analytics, focus on the business outcomes that, that other companies have, have accomplished, you know, I mean, read broadly in your, in your HR um, community, uh, Harvard Business Review, Sloan Management Review, those sorts of uh, uh, journals can, can give you really nice examples of cutting edge companies doing interesting things. And, and, and if you find that there's something that, that connects from a learning development perspective or an HRD perspective with your own organization, and, and you can find the appropriate stakeholder within the organization who's interested in sponsoring new work around this, then it can be a question of, of locating the right analytic talent from within the organization. You know, your marketing analytics group may already have people who are really focused on doing some pretty sophisticated analytics on marketing data or operational data and, and, and can do a two month stint in the, in the HRD organization to help them crunch through something as sort of a proof of concept. And if, and if that plays out well, and you focus more on the business side and delivering value side, um, then, then that creates this kind of positive synergies in the future where hiring that talent in or where, if, you know, but then if you're doing a master's and, you know, when your talent matures to the point where you can do that, suddenly there's a really strong need and interest within the organization for doing this. So it's kind of a, you know, figuring out how to handle the two sides of that equation. I totally agree with that. It's like, a, you know, have to be more focusing on reasoning and the questions. Then once that is clear, so then, then you can like a thread, you can think about how to measure. And once you have that, so then what is, you can, is, I believe that this kind of the enjoyable journey to uh, understanding some problem. So some many, in many cases in, uh, that I experienced with working with the company, practitioner in H, uh, HRD, practitioner in company, they, I, I just, maybe I'm just a feeling, but I felt that they wanted some kind of one answer, one grand answer that solved every, you know, issue they have. But I believe that there's nothing, you know, there's no such things. And all analytics is, I, uh, you know, believe that it is kind of the way of understanding, you know, people's and what is the issues in order to understanding what, what is the most important thing is like reasoning and the question, what do I really want it to know? And then once you have that and don't obsess with the just one, one methodology or only one, uh, the answer, try to uh, measure and apply, you know, different time diverse, you know, methodology and see and try to understand that's what I want to advise. I argue that it's not just about jumping into finding data wherever it sits in the organization and playing with it. If you are statistically minded, you know, and, you know, so if you are somebody who's statistically minded and you're able to find the data and play with it, the fact is that we can play with data and analyze data to answer anything in any which way or form we have to start with what's the question we're asking in the first place so that we're answering that question and not some surprise question that we reveal when playing with the data and we forget where we started. And, and to be sure that you are using data analytics in the context of knowing why you started down this road in the first place 
to better understand the steps of this process um, of, of using data to make a decision or to solve a problem. So I would guide people towards free resources available on the Center for Evidence-Based Management webpage. It's about evidence-based decision-making and whatever your beliefs as a professional or an academic about evidence-based decision-making, it starts with step one, which is what is the question or problem you're trying to answer? And within that, it tells you now go get the data to answer that question. Have a look at the science with regard to that question. Ask yourself if the data and the science that you got is any good. Is it safe? Is it trustworthy? Is, are, are, are you basically lo looking at data that was biased and, and damaging? And the Center for Evidence-Based Management provides some simple um, information on, on how you can evaluate whether data is, is, is good or biased. And then you can analyze it and then you can consider how to apply it to to make a decision. So that, that's one. So for those who don't want to become data analysis experts and who don't want to become statisticians, at the very minimum, I suggest that you do become somebody that understands how to frame a question, frame a problem so that then a data analytics statistical person can then anal analyze it in the way you wanted the question asked in the first instance and that you understood that you understand and therefore can communicate to to those um, data analytics experts what exactly it is you want an answer to as a quick follow-up to that just to just to tapping into the piece you were just saying claire there about leveraging data and analysis experts within an organization um if if we have an, a listener who's an HRD professional working in an organization who's wondering who might those people be in the company, do you have any advice about what job titles those people might have? And are there any, are there any best practices around how to work with a data analysis expert within an organization? Uh, as I know, in many organizations, they have the business analytics teams or data engineers. Maybe those two, uh, you know, group of people, they are mostly uh, the we can find as an expert. My analysis is simple. Uh, invite them and see that you know the way of the learning way of they are uh, how to define the problem and how to communicate. And that would be the best way to tapping into, you know, learning more quickly and learning the way of they are defining the problem and find a solution and can be more effectively collaborate with them. So you also might look for people with the, the job title of data scientist. Uh, that's uh, another, you know, key one that um, that people use to identify people who have very strong analytic skills within organizations. You know, one one person uh, that I bumped into some time ago who uh, was interested in in learning more about analytics in in uh, her organization um, found that there was an analytics group attached to a, a piece of the marketing organization, uh, and she she asked to sit in on meetings. She asked if she could just be there as they were working through some key decisions and using data to inform those decisions. And so she kind of began to appreciate the cycle required to identify the problem, gather the data, perform the analytics, decide which actions come out of it. And even though it was in a marketing context, which was not her context, just the familiarity with that cycle um, uh, you know, exposure to how this works in a different part of the organization. And also, you know, come, going to a, a couple of meetings a month with the same set of people after a while, she got to know some of these analytics folks. And, and, and that was the beginning of, of more collaboration amongst them and, and realizing that there's some opportunities on the HR side as well. Excellent. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time for today's conversation. I wanted to say uh, I've really enjoyed our time together. Uh, thank you all for being a part of our episode and exploring HRD and data analytics. Thank you all so much indeed. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It was wonderful spending time with Chad Chungil Chai, Claire Gubbins, and Peter Gray. If you enjoyed this episode, check out all of our others.
There were 22 episodes in the first two seasons, and we're releasing a further 11 here in the third. Between them, they provide access to conversations with over 75 leading HRD scholars from around the world. New episodes release weekly. To learn more about the series, check out hrdmasterclass.com. And to learn about the Academy of Human Resource Development, check out ahrd.org. By becoming a member, you can access extra bonus materials. Also, don't forget to look into our sponsors. The University of Southern Mississippi's Human Capital Development Programs. Find out more by googling USM space HCD. You'll find their page at the top of the results, or by emailing them at schoolofleadership at usm.edu. And also, the Business Analytics Lab in CBPM, Wenjo Keen University. Find out about them by visiting chadchae.github.io. I'm looking forward to being with you in our next episode when we're exploring the relationship between HRD and gender with the help of Jamie Callahan of Durham University in the United Kingdom, Sharon Maven of the University of Newcastle in the United Kingdom, and Melissa Young of the University of Nottingham, Malaysia. Until then, this is Darren Short signing off from the Human Resource Development Masterclass. Human Resource Development Masterclass podcast is brought to you by the Academy of Human Resource Development and is a production of allbypodcast.com.